Chapter 24, Big Pine Key. There's something fascinating about a palm tree when you've lived your entire life up north. Compared to an oak or pine tree, they appear so extraterrestrial. When I got off the plane at the Orlando airport, my eyes were immediately drawn to them. I suppose people living in Florida think snow is something special to experience, but when has a palm tree ever made you late for work? Our first week down there was spent in St. Augustine at a tropical-themed beach cottage that we found on Airbnb. There was no way I'd stay in some hotel compound. I took corporate money, but I didn't want to live there. Linda's mom offered her place to us, but she was kind of elderly and we didn't want to impose. We were planning on staying out late and didn't want to stumble back in at night while groping each other. We stayed at her family's cottage on Big Pine Key, one of the islands that made up the Florida Keys. The place was gorgeous. It was on a canal circled with palm trees, complete with a little tiki or cheeky hut, as the locals called it. I kept expecting Gilligan or the Skipper to stroll by. I was never the kind of artist who would set up an easel outside and paint, but the warm and sunny Florida climate sort of compelled me. I wonder if this would all wear off in another week. Linda and I were checking out the boat dock on the canal when three little deer approached us. One of them was a fawn looking for a handout. I extended my hand towards the first one and approached me and sniffed my hand. I said to Linda, Holy crap, this deer is completely unafraid of me. They're actually a protected species. The National Key Deer Refuge is just up the road. I continued to stroke the curious little animal on the neck. My mom always got annoyed when the deer ate her hibiscus flowers. Another deer joined the first one, looking for a handout. She wanted to chase them away with a broom, but could have gotten in trouble if the neighbor said anything. I scanned the yard, which felt so foreign to me. Why is the house built ten feet off the ground? I asked Linda. So you get a better view? At some point, one big one will make landfall here and just bowl everything over with a wall of water. I approached one of the cinder block columns. On some buildings, you can see the water line from the last hurricane. So that's why I didn't see very many tall trees on the way in here. Yes, you learn to just enjoy it while it all lasts. I looked up and spotted a few coconuts hanging way above our heads. I thought, one of those would hurt if it fell on us. Up north, the worst thing that might fall from a tree was a shower of acorns. I said, I really like this place. How are the sunsets? You're going to wish you had your easel with you. Wait. Does that mean I would have to paint little deer into the foreground of everything I do? Linda laughed and said, Either that or a passed out drunk from Key West. We started to drift towards our rental car. Okay, that's one thing we've got up north, I said. Hardier drunks. Are you referring to all the Irish in Boston? No, no, I said. If you get drunk down here and pass out in the bushes, what would happen? You'd wake up and go back to your bar in the morning. Right. I leaned against the car. But in Boston, if you passed out in a snowbank in February, you're a goner. That's how it goes, I said. It's kind of like Mother Nature culling the herd. You gotta have something going on upstairs to be able to live in cold weather. She laughed and said, Should we contact an anthropologist with your theory? Hey, look what happened to the Hawaiians. Hawaii was basically colonized by cold weather Europeans. It's a good thing the Vikings only got so far. Linda opened the car door. What do you think of swimming with dolphins? To do today? There's a place called Dolphin Bay. You can pay to jump in the tank with them. That sounds cool. I always wanted to do that. We both got into the car. They allegedly do research with them, but I'm guessing it's mostly marketing research on how to extract money. 
from tourists. Well, I'm a tourist and I got money. Dolphin Bay was located about an hour away on Route 1, past the relentless string of tourist shops selling tiki heads in painted wooden crap. We found the place and it was packed. The young woman inside who was doing the orientation didn't sound like she had a degree in oceanography. I bet every kid on this stretch of the Keys has worked here at some point. This place hopefully paid more than McDonald's. She did her well-rehearsed spiel for us. There are two options, the structured swim and the natural swim. With the structured swim, the dolphins are forced to interact with you. With a natural swim, you get to interact freely in the enclosure, and the animals will initiate contact themselves. Ooh, let's do the natural swim. Cool. That will be $150 each. $150? I said as my mouth dropped open. Will the dolphins also bring us lobster they've caught? I gave my credit card, and she ushered me over to a desk with racks of snorkeling equipment. We got our face masks and fins and went over to a pair of large enclosures that were fed by the sea, but separated by a large net. One side had the structured swim. We saw people holding up hoops that the dolphins jumped through. I noticed there weren't any hoops on our side of the enclosure. Six of us formed the next group who were to go into the water. A tanned guy wearing sunglasses and an orange t-shirt approached us and gave us his spiel. With the structured swim, you want to slowly paddle counterclockwise around the enclosure. You don't want to splash the surface of the water or reach out towards the dolphins. This is the dolphins' free time, so it's up to them to decide if they want to approach you. In an English accent, the word brilliant was uttered by a guy next to his wife. Linda leaned over to me and said, So it's our job to perform for the dolphins? I can't think of any good orchid jokes at the moment, I said to her. I had snorkeled plenty of times and was a pretty decent swimmer. I noticed the English couple were struggling to put on their masks and flippers, and they looked very uncomfortable at the prospect of entering the water. I got in the water and paddled away from the dock. I noticed a person in the other enclosure being pulled in a circle while holding onto a pair of dolphin fins. Well, that looked like a lot of fun. The surfer dude tooted his whistle, marking the start of our session. I did a smooth lap around the enclosure and found that the water was kind of murky. I could barely see the bottom and kept popping my head up to see where the dolphins were. A few feet from me, the English couple were flailing around in the middle of the pool, struggling to stay afloat, looks of panic on their faces. Damn it, don't they know they're supposed to keep the splashing to a minimum? I took another lap, careful not to break the surface of the water with my kicking. On the third lap, I finally saw a dolphin. A blur of motion passed between me and the bottom of the pool, about ten feet down. I popped my head up, hoping I would see the dolphin jumping out of the water in excitement, or something. But nothing was there. No dolphins, anyway. The English couple had somehow managed to get back to the side of the enclosure. Their arms were draped over the dock while they gasped for air. They looked like a pair of shipwreck survivors. I did one more lap and was taunted by another blur of a dolphin zooming past me. Damn it. Dolphins are smart. Don't they know I just paid $150 to do this? Then it hit me. Who was really the dumbest thing in the pool? Time was called. We all climbed up on the deck. One dolphin stuck its head out of the water, caught a fish from the surfer dude, and went back to what dolphins naturally do when they aren't forced to deal with tourists. Avoid people. We returned our snorkel equipment and dried ourselves off. So did you see anything? I asked Linda. 
I didn't see a goddamn thing. Maybe you're splashing too much, I said sarcastically. We looked over at the other enclosure where they were having another guided swim. A dolphin jumped through another hoop, and everyone clapped. Disappointed, I said to Linda, they should have just asked us, do you want to have fun or no fun with dolphins? I guess it's unnatural for them to do that. It's unnatural to pay $150 to be avoided by dolphins. I just wanted to touch a lousy dolphin, so I could have checked that off my bucket list. On the way out, we go through the souvenir shop, which had the prerequisite dolphin beach blankets, dolphin shot glasses, and the most incongruous thing imaginable, a dolphin bay snow globe. I had to pick it up and give it a shake. Fake snowflakes swirled around a breaching dolphin. I turned it over. Made in China. I pictured the Chinese worker who had to assemble it, shaking his head the whole time. Above the rack of flip-flops was a framed piece of dolphin art, bearing the price tag of $150. Attached to it was a photo of a dolphin with a paintbrush in its mouth, creating the actual painting. Linda spotted it and said, Looks remarkably similar to a chimp painting. Nobody cares about the painting, I said. It's only worth something because it has a backstory. A dried-out pufferfish compelled me to remove it from the souvenir shelf. I turned it over while I continued with my well-rehearsed rant. If I said some paintbrushes just randomly fell on a canvas, nobody would give a crap. The second you say a dolphin created this, people want it, even though the dolphin was basically dropping a paintbrush randomly on a canvas. When does talent come into play? I absentmindedly rolled the inflated fish in my hands, feeling its spiky texture. I said, this one is by a guy who chopped his ear off. This one was made by a dolphin. Marketing is what sells paintings. Linda looked at the dried inflated fish in my hands and said, Are you going to buy that? I put the fish back on the shelf and we got the hell out of there. Later, we had dinner at a seafood joint called the Bonk Conk Cafe. It looked like it had started out with a bamboo tiki theme, but over the years, the walls had been plastered over with business cards. If you needed to find a handyman on the keys, that was the place to go. We decided to order a plate of conch fritters, a staple of the keys, and a couple of dos equis. Conchs are the creatures that live in those big shells you find in any tourist shop down there. After dinner, we found a little roadside joint that sold key lime pie. We pulled over, ordered a couple of slices, and sat on the hood of our car to eat them. The sun was setting, and a nice breeze blew off the ocean. Everything felt good for a change. I took my first bite. That's some fucking good pie. What the hell is in this? I asked Linda. Pure goodness. The crust isn't too soggy. It isn't too tart. Linda didn't reply. She put another fork full in her mouth, eyes half closed. We need to take some of this back with us, I said. Don't bother. It won't be the same once you fly at home. Really? Yep. She slowly swallowed what was in her mouth. You have to come here to get it like this. I had shoveled three pieces into my face and was having a hard time chewing. She looked at my hamster cheeks and said, You need to take your time. Enjoy the moment. I felt like an idiot. I swallowed my mouthful and took a deep breath of ocean air. I said, We have to get more of this before we leave. Linda smiled. Definitely. We got back to the house on Big Pine Key and took a walk westward towards the ocean. On the way down there, we passed some houses with nautical-themed mailboxes. It was as if there was a town ordinance that required everyone to comply with a tropical theme. 
We saw a manatee holding a mailbox, another box perched atop a long-legged pink flamingo, and a giant fish that appeared to be impaled on its mailbox. White coral gravel crunched under our feet as we walked. It's really peaceful here, I said to Linda. It's like the end of the world. You can't drive any further once you hit that final mile marker in Key West. You've run out of road. I paused for a moment and listened for any kind of sound. Nothing. A turn passed silently overhead. It's like nobody could find you out here, I said. All the streets are dead ends. There's no real reason to drive out here unless you live here. We stood perfectly still, taking in the silence. A boat horn went off way, way in the distance. Of course, you might have some boat refugees landing here, but that's about it. I felt a subtle breeze in my skin. It'd be a nice place to retire, I said. We got to the water and sat down on some white rocks. Behind silhouettes of palm trees, we watched as the sun disappeared below the horizon and the sky turned a deep orange. Yeah, it sounds like a postcard cliche, but I guess you just had to be there. I thought, if only I had an easel. Linda pulled out her phone and took a picture. Another desktop background, I asked her. I've got hundreds of these. I don't know why I bother. Never gets old, does it? I said. Linda leaned into me. Could you paint sunsets and palm trees? I could do that. As if on cue, a tiny deer walked in front of us at the waterline and stopped. We both looked at each other and laughed.